continuing the series today on of such is the kingdom which is really a discussion around about what um, status children enjoy in the kingdom of god and how they actually do fit into the kingdom of god not only only in this age but also in the ages to come and so in this particular uh, teaching that we want to look at today we want to look specifically at um, um, where children are placed in heaven how they fit into the kingdom of God in heaven and also in the ages to come. And up until now, we've had a look at the fact that uh, when, and I have mentioned this, that when children die, uh, all of them uh, go straight to heaven. And uh, we basically want to have a look at today, um, starting off with, I want to just look at people that have been raised from the dead. For in the Bible, there are 11 accounts of individuals who have, in fact, been raised from the dead. And of those 11 accounts, three of them are children who have been raised from the dead. So I, I mentioned earlier that um, when an individual is cast into hell, for God casts all uh, unbelievers into hell, none of them can come out of hell. And so one who has been cast down there remains there um, as a prisoner. Um, in torment waiting for their day of judgment but we said that God does allow from time to time individuals who have who have died and subsequently gone to heaven in this covenant under this covenant all believers who die go straight to heaven um, he has allowed them to be raised from the dead and under the old covenant he allowed the saints to be raised from the dead as well and those saints were not in hell they were in Abraham's bosom which is why God allowed them to be raised from the dead. There is only one person who has ever descended into hell and has come out of hell, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who's gone down there and has returned from there. All others who have been cast into hell, uh, God has ordained that they are not to be taken out until their day of judgment, which is at the end of the age. And one of the scriptures we can look at is in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 9. The scripture says, Now this, he ascended, speaking of Jesus, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And so our Lord Jesus is the only one, as I say, who's ever descended into the lower parts of the earth, into hell. And obviously he's suffered for us for those three days and three nights. <clears throat> and he has come out of hell and he has now ascended into heaven. But he's the only one. God has not allowed anyone else who has gone into hell to ascend out of hell. Um, at the end of the age, the Antichrist, who hell, there are different uh, names given to the place called hell. It's called Hades, it's called the bottomless pit, it's called outer darkness. There's different various names given to that particular location. And it is located in the center of the earth. Um, there is two individuals that are in that location currently, which God will allow to be brought out of that location at the end of the earth, and that is the antichrist and the false prophet but we're not going to get into any kind of teaching along that line today the rest of those who have been cast down into hell will remain there until their day of judgment and the scripture we can look at for that is in revelations chapter 20 beginning oh well just for verse 13 the scripture says the sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and hades delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one according to his works and so um, that is when the, the unbelievers will be allowed to be taken out of hell for the first time that's going to be on their day of judgment and so there are basically two categories of people that have been raised from the dead uh, that we see in scripture and those two categories are really un are, are believers and children those are the only two categories that God has allowed to be raised from the dead. And we can just briefly look at um, some of the, the people that have been raised from the dead. I'm not going to go into any depth on those particular accounts in Scripture. The one account 
Um, so there, there, I think there's, if I'm not mistaken, there are four accounts of people being raised from the dead under the old covenant. There's three accounts of people being raised from the dead under the new covenant. And then there's three accounts of children being raised from the dead. So I, mean, I think that works out to the, the 11 accounts, basically, that we have in Scripture. Um, the first, obviously, is our Lord Jesus Christ. He was raised from the dead. And we can pick that up in John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 14 to 17. That's when he appeared to Mary. And so our Lord Jesus is the first one to be raised from the dead. Um, the first account that we have of a, a saint being raised from the dead under the Old Covenant because the term saint is also utilized for to describe believers under the Old Covenant. Although they weren't yet made righteous in Christ Jesus, they had um, the, the promise of righteousness had been accounted to them because they had believed in uh, God and had believed in the coming Messiah. And so the first account that we have under the Old Covenant is in 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. And this is the account, I'm not going to read it, but that's the account where the young man was, uh, had died and his friends were burying him and they uh, laid him in Elisha's tomb. Elisha had since gone to be in um, Abraham's bosom a long time before. It was just Elisha's bones in his tomb. When the young man who was dead um, touched the bones of Elisha, his spirit returned, he revived and he came back to life. And so that's the first account we see of um, one being raised from the dead under the Old Covenant. Um, then the other account that we see, and when I say the Old Covenant, I'm talking about also when our Lord Jesus was on the earth, because the Old Covenant was still in force when our Lord was on the earth. Kind of, because our Lord did say that the Law and the Prophets were until John, since that time the Kingdom of God is preached. But nevertheless, it's, uh, it's during the transition period that we have the other two accounts of individuals being raised from the dead. And the other one is in Luke chapter 7, verse 11 to 15. And that's the account when our Lord Jesus meets the, pun uh, the funeral procession, I'll get that right, the funeral procession that is coming out of the city of Nain. And our Lord has compassion on the woman because it is her only son. Her husband has since passed away as well. And he raises that young man from the dead. And uh, that's the next account. The next account we have is the one that everybody knows about, obviously, and that is when our Lord raised Lazarus from the dead. That's in John chapter 11, verse 43 to 44. Then there's the other account of the saints that were raised. Now, this again, talking about the, the scripture actually does talk about saints. Um, yes. And referring to Old Testament believers. And these saints were raised from the dead when our Lord Jesus um, ascended into heaven. That's when they were raised from the dead and they entered into their resurrected bodies. And that account is in Matthew chapter 27, verse 52 and 53. The scripture says, And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And so these particular saints have their resurrected bodies today. Our Lord, our Lord walks around in a resurrected body, which is a spiritual body. And these saints, we don't know how many they are and who they are, um, also are, have entered into their resurrected bodies. God has decreed that they could do that. Um, he's God. He chooses what he wants to do. Um, and so they have. Now, these saints were saints that had died pretty recently before our Lord Jesus Christ had died, because they went into the city of Jerusalem and appeared to many. And so when they did, they the people they appeared to obviously recognized them because they knew who they were. But nevertheless, so these were saints uh, under the Old Covenant who were raised from the dead. Then we have the account of um, Peter raising Tabitha from the dead, and that is in Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 41. Um, Tabitha was a, a disciple of the Lord. Her name was also Dorcas, translated Dorcas. She had become ill and she had died and they called Peter to the town of Joppa, I think it was. Um, yes, Joppa. And Peter then prayed to the Lord and he raised her from the dead. And so as a believer, she was raised from the dead. God allowed that. Then we have the other account of Paul himself. Um, most probably who had died 
and the Lord sent back to the earth. Now, I say most probably because the scripture kind of implies that Paul died, but it doesn't actually uh, specify that quite, um, putting it out there. That's in Acts chapter 14, verse 19 and 20. The scripture says, Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Now the scripture, as I say, doesn't say that he actually did die. Uh, the scripture says that the, his persecutors uh, assumed he was dead. Um, and so when a person is stoned by a crowd and they drag the body out because they think, all right, that person is dead, pretty much you can put it down to the fact that the person is dead, not just unconscious. Um, and so it's quite possible that our Lord then uh, sent Paul back and Paul was raised from the dead. And then the other account we have is Paul himself when he raised that young man from the dead. Um, Eutychus, I think, was his name. And uh, Paul had been preaching. The young man was sitting in the windowsill. He fell asleep. Uh, Paul's sermon, maybe. No, not the case. It was just that Paul preached that whole night. He, he preached until sunrise. Anyway, so the young man fell asleep. and he, It was on the third floor, and he fell out, and he died <clears throat> when he hit the ground. Paul goes down and raises him from the dead. And that's in Acts chapter 20, verses 9 through to 12. And then we get to the accounts of children being raised from the dead. And so there are two accounts under the Old Covenant of children being raised from the dead, and there's one count under the New Covenant, which is really when our Lord raised someone from the dead. And uh, we'll read those accounts because we're dealing with children in this uh, series of teachings. The first account is in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17 to 23. So Elijah is one who raised a child from the dead, and Elisha raised a child from the dead. And those are the two accounts we'll read from the Old Covenant. This is the first one. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. Verse 19. And he said to her, this is now Elijah, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. And he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times, and the child and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. So uh, Elijah understood the, the, the concept that the child's soul, spirit had departed. And um, Elijah was asking the Lord to allow that spirit and soul to come back to the body. Verse 22, Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And then the second account is the account of Elisha raising a child from the dead. And that is in 2 Kings, chapter 4, beginning at verse 18 through to verse 37. Scripture says, And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to a servant, this is obviously the father speaking, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him, he brought him to his mother. He sat on her knees till noon and then died. Verse 32. Then Elisha came into the house where... Uh, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his, on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. Verse 35, he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this, Shun this Shunammite woman. So he called her, and when she came in to him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground, and she picked up her son and went out. And so those are the two accounts under the Old Covenant of Elijah and Elisha, both raising a child from the dead. 
And then we get to the account where our Lord raised uh, a child from the dead. And that is the account where he raises Talita. And that's in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 39 to 42. Scripture says, When he came in, he said to them, This is speaking of our Lord, Why make this uh, commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Just a point on that issue there. Under the, in, in, in Scripture, whenever the Bible talks about the saints falling asleep and sleeping, it means it refers to saints who die. Unbelievers, it never says that they, they fall asleep or they, they sleep. Unbelievers, it just says they die. And so this, the Scripture differentiates between believers and unbelievers in describing physical death. Physical death for believers is they fall asleep. Physical death for unbelievers is they die. Children, our Lord says, also fall asleep. For he says the child is not dead, but sleeping. Verse 40, And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him, and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talita Kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. And so those are the 11 accounts in Scripture of people being raised from the dead. Um, as we said, um, four under the old covenant, three under the new, and then three children. And so we see that the Lord... Um, places children into the same category as believers because it is only believers that God has allowed to be raised from the dead and he has allowed children to be raised from the dead as well. The reason that it is possible is because children uh, fall into the same category as believers. They are uh, children of God. And so God is able then to send their spirits back into uh, the earth and into their bodies. Now just to again highlight the truth about the fact that when children die they go to the same location that believers go to now again i think i mentioned it in fact i did mention it in previous teaching that under the old covenant um, that wasn't the case under the old covenant children when they died they went straight to heaven because their spirits had never died uh, they had not died spiritually all um, believing saints under the old covenant were spirit, spiritually dead because at the age of 13 their spirits died nevertheless they were believers they were saints and god accounted that their belief to them for righteousness just like he did for abraham and so when they died they went to the location under the earth um, which was called abraham's bosom our lord referred to it as abraham's bosom and if you go look at the account in in the gospels our lord in luke's gospel describes it um, that particular place was next to Hades, basically, or maybe just above Hades, but it was in a different location. There was a, uh, a gulf fixed between that location and Hades. The two um, um, groupings of individuals in both locations could see each other, but none could cross aside. Um, and in that location, Abraham's bosom, the saints were comforted. But they had to go there. It was like a... <coughs> a waiting station for one of a better word, uh, description they were waiting for the messiah to come so that they could be born again their spirits could be made alive and then they could be taken up into heaven and that's what jesus did he went there he preached to them they, they accepted him as lord and savior and he took them up into heaven the book of ephesians teaches us that but the children who died under the old covenant went straight to heaven because their spirits were still spiritually alive so they didn't go to abraham's bosom and so David understood this concept because, let's read the account and so we can then just explain what I'm saying there. That's in 2 Samuel chapter 12 verses 19 to 23. The scripture says, when David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Uh, background here, uh, David and Bathsheba commit adultery and she falls pregnant. And God judges David on the issue. Now the judgment that falls on David is that God says, I will kill your son, take your son away from you. David fasts and intercedes to the Lord that the Lord would have mercy on him and that he will, won't kill his son. Um, however, God had pronounced his judgment and God stuck to his judgment. And so we're picking up the account based on that. So the scripture says, when David saw that his servants were whispering, 
Uh, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes, and went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house. When he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And so David understood very clearly that he would see his son again. Um, because the location that his son was had ascended to, heaven, is the location that David was ultimately going to land up in as well, heaven. And today, David is rejoicing in heaven, in the presence of the Lord, alongside his son, who, who went there a long time before him. So David understood the concept that all little children go straight to heaven. Now we want to have a look at um, another scripture which very strongly reinforces the truth to us that children, when they die, no matter who they are, no matter what race, religion, or creed they grow up, grow up in, when they die, they go straight to heaven, and they do not get uh, committed down to hell. So let's have a look at the scripture that just clearly shows us this truth. Um, and that is in Numbers chapter 16, verse 23 to 34. This is the only account in Scripture that describes individuals going directly to hell. Now, our Lord did speak about the rich man who went down into Hades. Um, but this is a very graphic account of us physically seeing, well, we are obviously reading about it, but the individuals, the, the witnesses that were present at the time when this incident occurred, they physically saw these individuals going down into hell. So it's a very important passage of Scripture um, relating to this topic of children. So the Scripture says, So the Lord God, Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram had rebelled against Moses, and so now God was judging them. So that's the context. The Scripture says in verse 25, Then Moses rose, and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. Um, sorry, verse 27. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out, and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. Interesting point we got there. So the whole families are all, you know, standing there with their, with their fathers. Little children included. Verse 28. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally, like all men, um, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth, and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit. Now the pit is another uh, term for hell. That's um, quite common in Scripture. Then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, with their households and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they ought they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them, and they perished from among this, among this uh, assembly. Then all Israel 
who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. And so these um, Jewish people um, who are of the tribe of Levi had rebelled against Moses. And the judgment that fell upon them was that they went down alive into hell. The, the earth opened up and everything went down. Even their, their, their goods went down with them. The scripture says in verse 22, And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all men with, with all their goods. So they, they and all those with them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed over them. And so we saw in this passage that who was standing with them. The scripture says in verse 27, They came out and stood at the door of the tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. So reading that passage of scripture, we would think, okay, well now that's pretty clear evidence that even little children of those who are wicked and who have rejected God, because the scripture says that these ones had rejected the Lord, are also destined for hell. If we read that passage of scripture, that's how it looks, because they were standing with their parents, the little children, and the scripture says, and they all went down with them into the pit. But the Lord does give us more insight on this particular incident. We pick it up in another scripture, and that is in Numbers chapter 26, beginning at verse 9. Scripture talking uh, about this incident. The scripture says, The sons of Eliab were Nimuel, Dathan, and Abiram. These are the Dathan and Abiram, representatives of the congregation who contended against Moses and Aaron in the company of Korah when they contended against the Lord. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah when they, their company died. When the fire devoured the 250 men and they became a sign. That was a, another incident. The 250 were standing in front of the tabernacle and they were offering incense and God judged them at the same time. But verse 11 is the, the point that we need to pick up. Scripture says, Nevertheless, the children of Korah did not die. And so God did not send the children down into hell. The children of Korah, uh, Dathan and Abiram, uh, God had, however God did it, had removed the children before everyone else was cast down into hell. And so that just shows us, because that, as I say, that is the only account in Scripture that we see um, the reality of people being cast down into hell. And the children were there before they were cast down into hell, and the children remained after they were cast down into hell. Translated means God kept the children out. And so God does not uh, send children into hell because they are His, and they go into heaven to be with Him for all eternity. Now, um, We want to have a look at the end of the age. I want to have a look at how God deals with children going into the end of the age. But just want to get a, get a point across here as well. Um, under the Old Covenant, we see many times where God says to the children of Israel, I want you to go into a particular location. I want you to kill everyone. Man, woman, and child. Donkeys and everything. God just says, kill everything that breathes. Now we look at that and we think to ourselves, that is cruel. Lord, surely you could have spared the children. I mean, if the children are God's children, surely he could have spared them. Well, God doesn't look at things the way we look at things, and God obviously understands a lot more than what we understand. But think about the fact, from the point of view, that the children are in fact God's children. Now, God knows that when those children die, they're going to be with him. It is far better for them to uh, spend eternity with them than to grow up as orphans who know the way they'll turn out and end up in um, as they grow up. Because as orphans, who's going to look after them? Who's going to care for them and nurture them? But you, not, you can't assume that uh, the Jews would have taken them all in and raised them all up as their own. Uh, God understands what was going on. And so when God kills families, He really does that from the point of view of the children He takes to Himself and the adults get cast into hell. Think about Sodom and Gomorrah. God destroyed both towns, the whole, all the population in those towns. 
And so the children were his, but he received the children to himself. So God always looks at the eternal um, aspect because he is in eternity and this life is just such a, a brief interlude. And so that is why God is not uh, unjust and he's not cruel by taking children to be with him in heaven because it, it is far better to be in heaven than to be in this life living as an orphan in this life. And so that is why God did what he did under the old covenant. We get a, a better understanding of God's motives under the old covenant. So now we get to the end of the age, basically. Um, and what status do children, in fact, enjoy in the kingdom of God? Because there is a difference between the saints of God and children of God. You say, what do you mean? Well, saints of God are believers in Christ Jesus. And in order for us to believe in Jesus, we have to be baptized into Christ. And so when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we are born again, not only are our spirits made alive once again to God, but the spirit of the born-again believer is baptized into Christ. Now, children who die, I'm talking about children now, who die, no matter where they are and how in the world and what religion they're in. When they die physically, their spirits still remain alive to God. They have never died spiritually. Because we said in the previous uh, section of teaching that it is only at age 13 that the spirit of the individual dies. And thus they have to be born again. So all children that die, their spirits are still alive to God. And so their spirits never die. And so their spirits go straight to heaven, as we said. And so there's a difference between uh, the children who have gone into heaven and the saints who have gone into heaven. What is the difference? The difference is, is that the, the, the spirit of the saint is in Christ. The spirit of the child is not in Christ. Because it's only those who are born again that have been baptized into Christ. The spirits of children have never been baptized into Christ. They are children of God. Their spirits are alive and they will dwell with all, in all eternity with God. But nevertheless, they're not in the body of Christ. It is only believers in Christ who are baptized into the body of Christ. And so you, we have these two categories of um, children of God in heaven today. And that is the children of God who have died as children and the saints who are also children of God. But the saints are in fact also the bride of Christ. And so it is only believers who form part of the bride of Christ. All the other children who have died since the, from the time of Adam up until now, until the end of the age, are not part of the bride of Christ. They are in the kingdom of God and they are children of God, but they're not in this category that is the church of Jesus Christ. Um, and so that's a, a, an important concept we also do need to understand. So we understand how going forward children actually do fit into the kingdom of God and how things pan out. And so a couple of scriptures we can have a look at is in Romans chapter 6 verses 3 and 4. And the scripture says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so Jesus was the first one to be born from the dead. We are all also born from the dead. Children who die have never been born from the dead because they, their spirits have never died. Um, they died physically just as we will die physically, just as our Lord Jesus has died physically. So our Lord Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, two things took place. He was first born again. He's the firstborn from the dead. And then he entered into his uh, physical body and his body was raised from the dead. So there's the two things that took place. First born from the dead and then raised from the dead. That's uh, the, the sequence of events for our Lord Jesus. Exactly the same thing happens with us. We are first born from the dead and when we're born again. 
and we will be raised from the dead when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. So it's also two-stage um, resurrection in our case. Um, but as I say, with regards to children who die, they are never born from the dead because they never died spiritually. Nevertheless, their bodies will still be raised from the dead. So that's something different. Another scripture we want to look at, just talk, talking about the fact that we are in Christ and we have been born again. Children have never been born again. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18, scripture says, And he, talking about Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And so a lot of Christians struggle with the fact that Jesus actually died spiritually, but he did, because the scripture says very plainly that he was the firstborn from the dead. He was also the first to be raised from the dead, but he was also the firstborn from the dead. He had to be born from the dead first before he could be raised from the dead. And that's exactly the sequence of events that follows in our lives. But children are different. They don't fit into that category because they've never died spiritually, so they don't get born from the dead, and they're not baptized into Christ. And so um, this is another concept we need to understand because at the end of the age there are going to be two judgments that will take place. There's the first judgment will be the judgment of the saints of our Lord Jesus. The second judgment will be the judgment of the unbelievers. Their judgment is right at the end of the age. Um, when the saints are judged we will be judged when our Lord Jesus returns to the earth. Our Lord returns to the earth um, after the wrath of God is poured out on the earth. And we then enter into judgment with our Lord. Um, and we will then come back with Him and reign with Him for His millennial reign. That's the thousand year period when our Lord will reign on the earth with His saints, with His church. It is only the church of our Lord Jesus Christ that will return to the earth with Him when He comes back. Um, very important we understand because now we're differentiating. Remember we said, I've said that there are these two categories of children of God in heaven. There are the literal children of God who we're talking about in this, and then there's the church who's also the children of God, the sons of God. It is that category, the sons of God, the church, that will return to the earth when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. The children of God remain in heaven during that time. They do not come back to the earth when our Lord comes to reign on the earth during his thousand-year reign. At the end of that, our Lord's thousand-year reign, that is, and there's a whole lot of events that take place around that, um, but at that point, at the end of that point, that is when the judgment of the unbelievers will take place, and that is when Hades and death will deliver up the, the dead that are in them. They will be raised for their day of judgment. And we've read the scripture along that line. So, with regards to children, they are not part of any of those two judgments. They're not part of the judgment uh, that our Lord will pronounce upon his church. And I say pronounce, I'm talking about each one. Let's just read a scripture along that line. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. The scripture says, Therefore we make it our aim, talking about believers, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, talking about our Lord Jesus, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so that is our day of judgment. We will be judged when our Lord returns to the earth. Uh, sequence of events, um, the Antichrist reigns for three and a half years. At the end of that period, that's the Great Tribulation. The church is then removed from the earth. At, at that time that the wrath of God is poured out on the earth, and that, according to Scripture, is roughly a, a three-year period, it is during that three-year period that we meet the Lord in the air, and the saints will then be judged by the Lord. And our Lord, as I said, you're going to read the Scripture, they very plain about the fact that when He comes back, He comes back with all of His saints, the whole, all, the whole church. And we stand before our Lord Jesus, and we are judged at that time. Now, the children who have died since the time of Adam all the way through to the end of the age will not be there because they won't be judged because God holds them accountable for nothing. For he says they have no knowledge of good and evil and he, he deems them to be innocent. And so they don't give an account of their lives before the Lord Jesus Christ at that judgment. It is only the church that will give an account of their lives. And the church is made up of the Old Testament saints as well. 
So Old and New Testament saints form part of the church, will form the church. And so it is only the church that will be judged by the Lord Jesus on that day. All children who have died, think about a child in the womb. They've done no good or evil, so they don't get to stand before the Lord Jesus and give an account of their time when they were in the womb. There's nothing for the Lord to judge. And so right up until age of 13, God doesn't hold, um, impute any sin to them. And so that he, holds, he doesn't hold them accountable for anything, sin that they've committed. And he also doesn't impute any good that they might have done in that time. God just kind of ignores it. They're his children, and they're destined for all eternity with him. But they don't come stand before the Lord to give an account for whatever period. They might have lived for a month, they might have lived for two months, and so they've got to now give an account for that two-month period. How many times did you cry? You cried three times? Oh, well, that's not a good thing. Or did you giggle enough? You know, I'm just, I'm being a bit facetious maybe, but I'm just putting across the point that children will not be judged by the Lord on that day. Then the other judgment kicks in right at the end of the age, which is the unbelievers. Now again, children don't form part of that judgment um, because they're not going to be judged. So the children will not be judged and they won't be there. But we will be judged uh, for our works, not for our salvation. And the unbelievers will also be judged for their works, not for salvation either, because they've already been condemned. Uh, scripture talks about their judgment of condemnation. Um, and so children do not partake of the judgments that the saints will partake of and the unbelievers will partake of. And so the, the um, children will not return to the earth when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. They remain behind in heaven. Um, when the church re returns with the Lord to reign on the earth, the children who have died from Adam up until the end of the age remain behind in heaven. They do not come to the earth at that time. Um, scripture we can look at is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. The scripture says, For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Who are the dead in Christ? It is only those who have been baptized into his death that are the dead in Christ. And so it is the church that will rise when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. The children who have died will not receive their resurrected bodies at that time. They remain in heaven, waiting for their time when they will receive their resurrected bodies. But it is only the saints of God that will receive their resurrected bodies when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. Now let's just quickly back up a little bit because I, I kind of just glibly mentioned about what happens in the sequence of events. So going towards the end of the age, we have the reign of the Antichrist. Here it gets to reign for three and a half years and great persecution against the church takes place. At that end of that period, the church is then taken out of the earth. That is when the, this rapture that everybody talks about takes place. It's at that point that the wrath of God is poured out on the earth while the church is absent. For the church is appointed to tribulation, but she's not appointed to wrath. And so the church will not be on the earth to experience the wrath of God being poured out on the earth. It is only the unbelievers that are on the earth at that time that will incur the wrath of God. Don't forget all the other unbelievers are already incurring the wrath of God in the, the, the middle of the earth, the center of the earth, in hell. They're in torment. Um, so, you know, God, it's just uh, for, I mean, as I said, the scripture shows us it's just roughly for a period of three years that the wrath of God is poured out on the earth. And everybody says, oh, that's such a bad time. <laughs> Believe you me, the guys in, in hell today are experiencing a far worse time even than what they will be experiencing on the earth. But nevertheless, be that as it may. So now we get to the rapture of the church, which actually takes place. And it takes place just before the wrath of God is poured out. So right up until the end of the age, um, the church will still be having children. Um, because our Lord talks about the fact that when the Antichrist reigns, that the, uh, the saints in Judea should pray that they're not pregnant. Because he tells them they need to flee at that time. Now the Antichrist reigns for three and a half years. So clearly saints will be pregnant leading up to that time. So saints will still be having children right up until the rapture takes place. And so it's not going to be a case of Nine months before the rapture takes place, God says, okay, no more children to the saints because I don't want to have any messy um, rapture taking place because now we've got children in the way. 
same will still be having children all the way through until the rapture takes place. But when that does take place, saints are like the angels in heaven and they will no longer have any children. But what about the children when the church is raptured? Okay, so let's just deal with the, with the church now. So you get born again parents, but they got a little one. Um, so does God take the parents up and leave the little one behind? Not at all. That's not how God operates. Go back to the old covenant. Remember, when God kills the parents, he kills the children. Now, he does that because he wants to take the children to himself. He does not leave children behind as orphans. That's not how God operates. At no time did God ever say, go kill all the parents but leave the children alone. Not at all. The only time God spared the children was when the parents were cast down into hell. Then he did. He spared those children. Otherwise, there's no other account of God sparing the children. Because God knows what he's doing. He'd rather take them to be with him. So, parents, Christian parents get raptured. God does not leave the children behind. They go at the same time. God takes them out of the earth. All right, so now we've opened up a little bit, a little bit of a, a, a questioning time, really, because now the question gets asked, okay, what about the children of the unbelieving parents that are still on the earth at that time when the wrath of God is poured out? Well, we're going to have to kind of just look at um, God's track record on this issue. And it seems to be that God will then remove those children from the earth at the same time. Because the scripture says God has not appointed the church to wrath. And so, it, it, because God takes the, the children of the believers out of the earth, um, it seems to be that God will take the children of the unbelievers out of the earth at that time as well. Now, it might not be that that will be the case, because it might be that God will allow them to go through that wrath period and as they die, so they go to him anyway. Um, but I tend to th think, and there's no clear scripture along this line at all, that God will take all the children out of the earth before the wrath of God is poured out on the earth. It just seemed logical that that's what God would do. Because Sodom and Gomorrah is when God poured out his wrath on the earth. But it was a very quick event. So, you know, God poured out his wrath, the fire fell and everybody died and the children went straight away. There was no lengthy period of suffering that was incurred. Um, and so, and, and as I say, we're looking at God's track record. Go back to Noah and the flood. Again, there was no lengthy period of suffering. God killed everybody on the planet, including all the children. But they, you know, they drowned pretty quickly. And so God took the children to himself and the unbelievers went down into hell. And so the two times that we have in scripture where God judged the earth, it was a quick event and the children were judged along with the parents. And so when we get to the wrath of God being poured out on the earth, it's not going to be a quick event. It's going to be over a period of roughly three years. So it seems that God would not allow children to go through that because that is now incurring the wrath of God over a period of time. So it seems that all children, definitely children of, of believers, will be taken out. God will not leave them behind as orphans. But it seems that all children will be taken out of the earth at that time. Okay, so... That's now brought us to the point of coming back to the earth. So now the church comes back to the earth at the end of the three-year period of the wrath of God being poured out on the earth. And it's only the church. And the church receives their resurrected bodies at that time. Um, that's why the scripture says, And the dead in Christ will rise first. Talking about the resurrection. Now that's a physical resurrection. People look at that scripture and they think, okay, well, that means that the, the unbelievers, they get their resurrected bodies at the end of the age. Now, the unbelievers um, never get resurrected bodies. The Bible doesn't talk about the fact that they get resurrected bodies. Why do they need them? They're going to be thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone for all eternity. So I don't know that scripture talks about that they will have resurrected bodies because in what form would they have? Because um, we'll just get burned up as they go into the, the lake of fire and brimstone. So there's no real evidence that unbelievers get resurrected bodies, as I say. They don't need them. But the, talk, the scripture does say, and the dead in Christ will rise first. To mean to rise first means there's going to be subsequent resurrection that will take place. So what is that resurrection? Well, that resurrection is going to be the resurrection of the children who are in heaven, who will receive their resurrected bodies at the end of the millennial reign. And so we can also pick up another scripture along that line, which is in Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through to 6. 
The scripture says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. That's the church. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So he's talking about a first resurrection and a second resurrection. Well, he doesn't mention the second resurrection, but he says there's a first resurrection. In order for for there to be a first resurrection, there has to be a second. Otherwise, the scripture would have just said, this is the resurrection. It doesn't say that. It says this is the first resurrection. And the scripture in verse 5 says, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. So people say, okay, well, that's talking about the people in hell. No, not at all. Because it says the rest of the dead did not live again. The people in hell will never live again. They are spiritually dead, and they're not going to be made alive again. They'll be raised. They'll come out of hell in their fallen state, in, in, in their spiritual death condition. But they're not going to live again. We need to understand that. Verse 6, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so the church is, takes part in the first resurrection. But the rest of the dead do not live again. The rest of the dead that the scripture is talking about are the children who are in heaven today. Now, children who go to be with the Lord from conception till the age of 13 don't remain in that state for the rest of eternity. They continue to grow and develop, and they become mature adults, obviously in a perfect environment because they live and dwell in heaven. And so they're not exposed to all the weird stuff that we're exposed to down here. Um, And so it is... The, the saints that get the resurrected bodies at that time, the children do not get the resurrected bodies at that time. They remain in heaven waiting for the second resurrection to take place. That occurs when God creates the new heaven and the new earth. Um, and so it is the church that is destined to dwell in the heavenly city of Jerusalem. In fact, the Bible describes us as being the heavenly city of Jerusalem. It is only the church that will dwell in the heavenly city of Jerusalem, um, which God is preparing for the bride, the bride of Christ. It's only the church which is the bride of Christ. Don't forget, we will reign for all eternity. Now, who are we going to reign over? Because all the unbelievers are going to be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, uh, which is the second death. For the thousand-year reign, we will reign over the unbelievers that are dwelling on the earth at that time. The church will return to the earth. Now, the church is roughly going to be about 100 million strong. Uh, ballpark figure. Um, and the earth population at that time of unbelievers will be roughly about 6 billion strong. So that's what the church will reign over. But at the end of the thousand-year reign, all unbelievers will be taken out of the earth and their judgment will take place and they'll be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. So the earth is now going to be without a population. The new heaven and the new earth that God will create. No population there. But we nevertheless, the church needs to be reigning over someone. Now the church will be reigning over the children who have been born into the earth from the time of Adam until the end of the age who have died as children. Now as I say, they will not be children because as they are in heaven now, they have grown and developed and they have almost mature adults. But they are destined to dwell on God's, in God, on God's new earth and his new heaven that he's going to create. But they will not dwell inside the city of Jerusalem. It is only the church of our Lord Jesus that will be dwelling inside the city of Jerusalem. For we are the heavenly Jerusalem. We are the bride of Christ. But all of the children who have died and have since become mature adults are saints of God. You can call them saints, I suppose. But they are children of God. They will come down to the earth. They, that is the second resurrection take place, that takes place. The rest of the, the scripture said the rest of the dead did not live again. That is when the rest of the dead will live again. And they will get their resurrected bodies in whichever form that the, God gives it to them. And they will dwell on that earth. They are the nations that the saints will reign over 
for all eternity. Now, it's not a rain that will be like the, uh, that millennial rain. For the millennial rain will be a rod of iron, the Bible talks about. It will be a very strict, uh, harsh rain because unbelievers are still spiritually dead and still rebellious. And so, you know, judgment will be pronounced on them when they step out of line. But going into the eternity with God, His new heaven and His new earth, the rain of God is a, is a, is a blessed rain, you know, because it's, it's like in heaven. That's exactly what happens in heaven right now. God reigns in heaven. And everybody in heaven is very happy to be ruled and reigned by God. Uh, by God. You know, nobody has a problem with it up in heaven. And so on God's new earth, those same children who have been under the reign of God up until now will continue under the reign of God on his new earth, rejoicing to be reigned over by the bride of Christ. Because they, everybody will recognize who the bride is, which is the church. And so another scripture we can look at is in Revelation 21, verse 9 and 10. The scripture says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And so the holy uh, city, the city of Jerusalem, the heavenly city of Jerusalem, is in fact the bride of Christ. That is us. That is where we will dwell for all eternity with God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. But it is only the bride of Christ that will dwell there. The rest of the nations on the earth will be children of God, but they will not be in the bride. They will not be the bride of Christ. It is only the saints who have been born again who become part of the bride of Christ. So it's very important for us to understand that concept. And so going back, I, I threw out a number, I said that there is roughly about 100 million saints from the time of Adam through to current period. We have no idea how long the rest of the age is going to last. It seems to be winding down very quickly. So it looks like the end of the age is, is, is about to come to an end. So the church um, population is roughly 100 million. Whereas with regards to the children who are dwelling in heaven, who, don't forget, I, I call them children, but as the vast majority of them by now are mature adults, um, their population is far greater than that. It is estimated that from the time of Adam until current time, there's been roughly 100 billion people that have been born into the earth. Now, the vast majority of those people have gone down into hell because the vast majority of people don't accept God. And so... The, 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 if you just look at the stats given to us in Scripture by looking at how God has pulled the remnant back for himself, and that we, I don't want to get into too much detail on the issue. It's roughly about 80 billion people that have gone down into hell. But there's roughly about 20 billion children who have gone straight to heaven. And so that is the population that will populate God's new earth. And those 20 billion for that, you see, so that's what I'm saying. You, you can clearly understand that 20 billion will not come back with the Lord to reign over the earth. That's why I'm really belting accommodate them. It's just not big enough. God's new earth is huge. It's 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 it's, it's far bigger than this earth. We're by a, a huge. I'm not going to get into um, description, but it's massive compared to this earth. This earth is minuscule compared to the new earth that God will create. And so it is that roughly 20 billion. Uh, children of God, <coughs> they will be raised from the dead. When I say raised from the dead, they'll just get their new bodies um, because they need to have a body to dwell in when they come to the earth. Um, they will get their new bodies at the end of the age when God creates his new heaven and his new earth. And the heavenly Jerusalem comes down to the earth and the, those uh, children of God also come down to the earth and they will then dwell on the earth. They will populate the earth. And the saints of God, the bride of Christ, will rule and reign over them. But as I say, it's a heavenly rule and reign. There's no more rod there. Um, it is just blessedness with that kind of a reign. And so in scripture we can look at, so as I said, there's roughly about 20 billion in heaven right now. So that's the population. Now, they will, when they have their resurrected bodies, they will have children going forward. So it's not a case of God now got his 20 billion children and that's it. No, God is a God of increase. That, that new earth is massive. I don't want to get into numbers, but it's huge. And so that 20 billion will grow. And 
they will have children because they're both Isaiah and who else is it? One of the other Old Testament prophets speak about um, children in God's new heaven and new earth. And so a lot of people have struggled with that because they said, but Lord, the Lord said, you know, we're not going to have children. And that's true. The bride won't, the church won't, because we marry to the Lord. But the, the, the children of God will continue to have other children and uh, God's family will grow on the earth. And so let's have a look at the scripture. Um, it helps us to understand it quickly. Revelation 21, verses 24 to 27. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, speaking about the light of the heavenly Jerusalem. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so all children have their names written in the Lamb, Lamb's Book of Life. Um, and so the, the qualification to be on God's new earth is that you have to have your name in the, uh, written in the, in the Lamb's Book of Life. <clears throat> but the qualification to be dwelling in, in the heavenly Jerusalem is you have to be in Christ. You have to have been baptized into Christ, born again. And so it, the scripture talks about the nations of those who are saved shall walk in the light of the heavenly Jerusalem. So they will be dwelling outside the city of Jerusalem um, on the earth, and they'll walk in the light of the city of Jerusalem, and they'll bring their glory and honor into the city of Jerusalem. But the saints will be the ones dwelling inside the city of Jerusalem, and they will be the priests of God, uh, ministering to God, and they will in turn be reigning over uh, the children of God who will populate God's new earth. So that's how children fit into heaven's uh, category right now. Um, now it's not as if the children are on one side and the saints on another, not at all. They're all intermingle and going forward in God's new heaven and new earth. Obviously the saints will go out of the city and, and fellowship with the, the children of God and the children of God will be allowed to come into the city and bring their glory and honor into the city. Um, but nevertheless, we will be dwelling separately kind of, uh, but having contact and, and fellowship with each other. That's how, how it works in heaven, and that's how it will work in God's new earth. Um, and so one more thing, that's how children fit in to God's kingdom. I trust that you have understood that concept. There's one more thing I want to touch on, and that's just this one passage of scripture, which does throw some people here and there, um, and I just want to touch on it. And that is 1 Corinthians 7, verse 12 to 14. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, But to the rest I, not the Lord, say, If any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, and he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. And so what people say is, that, okay, that proves that only children who are born to born-again believers are holy, the rest are all unclean. And so they will go to hell, and only the children of believers will go to heaven. Well, that's not the case at all. He's talking about the fact that the unbelieving spouse, because God uh, holds the, the marriage covenant in high esteem, and so God does not sanction divorce. But the scripture does say if the unbeliever wants to do it to part, they can. You're not under any condemnation if they do. But if they want to remain, God says that's fine, you can. Now, what God is talking about here in this passage of scripture, Paul, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, he's talking about the physical bodies. Because in the uh, same context, if you go read it in 1 Corinthians, Paul says you cannot, as a believer, join your body to the uh, body of a, a, a harlot. Because he said your body belongs to God, and you can't, the two will become one flesh, and he says that, that you can't do that. And so that's what he's, in, in relation, that's what he's talking about. So when, uh, so he's saying you shouldn't be joined to an unbeliever. A believer and an unbeliever should not be joined together in one body, because the body of the believer belongs to God, and the body of the unbeliever but doesn't belong to God. So, you know, that's kind of an abomination before the Lord. But when it comes to marriage, God uh, overrides that because God um, prefers the marriage covenant to stay intact. And so now God's got a, a bit of a problem because he's saying to guys outside of marriage, guys, you can't uh, have, be intimate with a, a harlot 
own unbeliever for that matter, because you, you are the body of Christ and the body of the unbeliever, you can't bat them one body. So now God's got this problem because he's saying to the, the, the married couple, one's a believer, one's an unbeliever, he says you guys need to stay married. So now he's kind of gone against his own counsel by saying you can stay married, which means they can be intimate. So how does God get around this? The Bible says that the believer's body sanctifies the unbeliever's body. That's how God does it. Because if it didn't, then God would have a problem because now we've got a believer's body being one flesh with an unbeliever's body and that is not right. So this, uh, the one body sanctifies the other one. That's how God does it. So he says, then your children are, are holy. Now what that means is, is that their bodies are holy. Not talking about the spirit. The spirit is from God no matter what. But the body of the child is holy, separated to God. And that's not unclean. And that's really what Paul is getting across to there. So it's not a case of uh, unbelieving children are unclean, unholy, and therefore they will go down to hell. And believing children are holy to the Lord, and therefore they will go to heaven. I just wanted to bring that particular point out. And that brings us to the end of the series on uh, of such is the kingdom. I trust that you kind of understood how children fit into the kingdom of God uh, currently and how they will fit into the kingdom of God going forward as well. And uh, we're going to end the teaching on that.